Hi, David. Let's take stock at the end of the quarter. Hello, Alex. Yeah, it's not only the end of the first quarter. It's just over a year since the global market sell-off and and from when the World Health Organization declared COVID-19 a global pandemic. 12 months later, and equity markets have more than fully recovered. Uh, Credit spreads are at or near their pre-pandemic levels, as are government bond yields. And I think the market is quite focused on a post-COVID economic outlook. Um, Now, the COVID recession proved to be the deepest in modern history, but also one of the shortest. And markets are currently pricing it as a natural disaster without long-lasting economic damage. Um, I still think there is uncertainty about the extent of scarring, uh, the legacy of much higher levels of debt and the exit path from the extraordinary fiscal monetary policy response to the crisis. Um, In terms of this quarter, I think In my view, the key event was actually the Democrats winning the two runoff seats in Georgia. It gave Democrats control of the Senate and allowed the Biden administration to push through the um, 1.9 trillion uh, fiscal package through Congress. Um, And I think that additional fiscal stimulus out of Washington, as well as the rollout of vaccines, has led to a substantial re-rating higher of global, but especially US uh, growth expectations. But since mid-February, those increasingly bullish expectations for for growth in corporate earnings, you know, tempered by higher government bond yields on concerns around rising inflation risk. I I think the bond market's nervous that, you know, the release of pent-up demand as economies are fully reopened, um, you know, big spending by government, central banks still pumping liquidity into markets and and keeping uh, interest rates ultra low sort of raises the sort of spectre of much higher inflation in the future that could force central banks and especially the Fed to, uh, to, to, to respond. So the market is now pricing the first Fed rate hike by the end of next year and a further three rate hikes in 2023, despite the Fed at its most recent meetings um, saying it doesn't expect to raise interest rates until 2024. So I think as we look back on this quarter, it's one that increasingly has been characterised by a sort of tug of war between rising optimism for growth and, and corporate earnings versus fear of higher inflation and, and concerns that that's going to lead to sort of the proverbial monetary punch bowl being drained and spoiling the market's party. What do you think will be the key issues and themes for the quarter ahead? I think this tension between risk markets buoyed by accelerating growth and, on the other hand, sort of inflation concerns, higher bond yields will you know, remain a key theme into the second quarter. And, and I think will be a source of uh, market volatility. We, we know that inflation will rise sharply in the next quarter, mostly due to base effects. But any evidence that high inflation may persist and is... Uh, spilling over into higher inflation expectations, I think will be jumped on by bond bears wanting to drive yields higher. Um, uh, Many economists are forecasting up to a million jobs being created in the US every month through the second quarter. Um, If if that does prove to be the case, I think that's going to fuel market speculation that the Fed will start to prepare the way for tapering of its $120 per month bond buying at its meeting in June. And I think as the second quarter draws to the close, investors will also be asking what next from the ECB, especially if the you know, current third wave of COVID infections that's besetting the continent leads to a downgrade to the growth outlook. 
And then the other, I think, big issue will be investors focused on uh, the new fiscal policy proposals from the Biden administration that could total as much as $4 trillion. Um, uh, dollars. Um, you know, although, although US Treasury and government bond yields worldwide have moved far and fast in the first quarter of this year, um, I think against a backdrop of what are potentially going to be record gains in monthly US payrolls, um, higher inflation, not only in the US, but also in Europe, and the prospect of more fiscal stimulus from Washington will, I think, mean that, you know, the bias is towards higher rather than lower US Treasury yields and dollar. Um, I think economists and markets you know, are becoming more resilient to ongoing COVID infections, but I still think that the, the sort of relative performance of European assets into the summer will be influenced by the success or otherwise of efforts to increase the supply and distribution of vaccines across the region, especially for those sectors um, you know, hoping to uh, benefit from the European summer holiday season. Um, yeah, I mentioned, you know, the market is generally thinking ahead to a sort of post-COVID world, but of, of course, you know, there's still downside risk, not least the emergence of a vaccine-resistant variant of the virus. And, you know, even if that doesn't occur, you know, the return to normality could still take longer than some um, anticipate. I think there's still some uncertainty on that. So I, I think it's going to be a very interesting, I think potentially volatile second quarter, you know, a booming US economy, prospect of more fiscal stimulus creating you know, fears of overheating. You know, in Europe, are we at peak pessimism or will it fall further behind on you know, reopening and recovery? Is, is China growth set to decelerate as the focus of Beijing shift towards containing leverage? I think these are some of the sort of issues that investors are going to have to you know, ponder and contend with in the second quarter. Thanks, David. There's a lot for investors to think about in the coming months. One of the issues you highlighted is another fiscal package out of Washington. What's being talked about? Yeah, so President Biden has kind of already fired the gun on the political campaign for his administration's next big fiscal initiative after the passage of the uh, COVID uh, relief bill. Um, his administration is currently drafting a multi-part infrastructure and economic package, you know, potentially worth up to $4 trillion over the next 10 years. Um, the first proposal, I think, is going to be focused on infrastructure projects and green energy initiatives. That's probably going to be around, worth around two and a quarter trillion dollars. Um, and that will then be followed by another set of proposals that are focused on increasing education and uh, welfare spending. And, and the Biden administration wants to you know, fund much of this increased spending by reversing President Trump's corporate tax cuts. Um, you know, there's been some chatter that some Republicans might be willing to support the, the infrastructure part of uh, President Biden's uh, plans. I have to say I'm sceptical. Not a single Republican lawmaker voted for the COVID relief package. And, and certainly any tax hikes, increased social spending will face very fierce resistance. Um, so I think it's really going to come down as to whether the Democrats can get all the senators, uh, all their senators, you know, to support these uh, proposals um, and whether they can again use the budget reconciliation process to to pass it 
you know, on a simple rather than on a super majority vote. I, I think neither of these things are assured. But, you know, if the Biden administration does get momentum behind these proposals, it's certainly something that investors will have to digest in terms of, you know, higher government spending and higher corporate taxes. And moving over to Europe, there seems to be some risk to the implementation of the EU recovery fund. What's going on? I mean, the contrast of the US is becoming starker, certainly in terms of the you know, ambition of the fiscal policy uh, support for the recovery. Um, the latest hurdle in Europe is a challenge in the German Constitutional Court against the 750 billion euro EU uh, recovery fund. Um, although the draft law to you know, implement the EU recovery fund um, from, from, from Germany's perspective has actually been adopted by the German parliament. The court has ordered the German president not to sign it into law pending its ruling on a complaint by a group of German academics um, who, who basically um, are worried that it's creating a sort of de facto um, fiscal union. Um, now, we've seen you know, previous challenges go to the German Constitutional Court. We've seen challenges against ECB uh, bond purchases and uh, other sort of pan-European um, initiatives. You know, ultimately, the German Constitutional Court has either rejected these complaints, sometimes they've passed the case onto the European Court of Justice. Um, you know, bottom line, I, I don't think... Uh, the challenge in the German Constitutional Court will derail the EU recovery fund, you know, which is a you know key element of uh, fiscal support for the European recovery. Um, but it, but it could delay it, and it could delay it potentially for for several weeks, and and certainly complicate the rollout of that program. And and I think you know would add to you know, some negative market sentiment around the uh, European outlook, especially compared to the US. And finally today, David, any thoughts on the Archegos saga? Yeah, I mean, it, it's obviously something that, um, you know, we've been watching and looking at. And, you know, as you know, bank debt is one of our favoured um, asset classes. Um, our current assessment is that although the losses are very large for those banks that acted as uh, prime brokers for uh, Archegos, uh, bank capital buffers are more than sufficient to absorb the hit without any risk of creditor uh, bail-ins. Um, additional tier one or, or cocoa bonds issued by the banks involved are down a fraction compared to those banks' um, stock price. You know, I think that makes sense. It's, it's, it's a much bigger issue, I think, for shareholders than it is for bank creditors. Um, I mean, even before uh, Archegos uh, blew up, we had been discussing with within Blue Bay the extent of leverage in the market. At least in terms of public credit markets, we don't really see you know widespread evidence of extensive use of leverage by investors, um, and, and and we don't think uh, the uh, Archegos uh, blow up is a systemic event, but it clearly does expose failings in serious failings in risk management and regulation that allowed you know it to build such leveraged and um, concentrated positions without full uh, uh, market disclosure um, you know and I think as we've discussed uh, you know I think we are going to get more market volatility I think the bias is for higher um, uh, bond yields through the remainder of this year and I think you know Archegos episode is a reminder that 
you know, to paraphrase Warren Buffett, we will find out who has been swimming naked when the uh, tide goes out. Thanks for your time today, David, and speak with you soon. Thanks, Alex. This podcast is issued by Blue Bay or one of its entities. Please check the entire Blue Bay disclaimer at the following website, www.bluebay.com forward slash podcast disclaimer. This podcast is provided for informational purposes only. It is not intended, nor should it be intended as investment, tax or legal advice. This podcast does not constitute an offer to sell, nor is it a solicitation of an offer to purchase any security or investment product in any jurisdiction. This podcast is not available for distribution in any jurisdiction where such distribution would be prohibited and is not aimed at such persons in those jurisdictions. Past performance is not indicative of future results. Bluebay makes no express or implied warranties or representations with respect to the information contained in this podcast and hereby expressly disclaim all warranties of accuracy, completeness or fitness for a particular purpose. Bluebay is under no obligation to update the information in the podcast to reflect changes after publication date. The information contained in this podcast is believed to be reliable, but Bluebay cannot and does not guarantee its accuracy, timeliness or completeness. The document is intended only for professional clients and eligible counterparties as defined by the Markets and Financial Instruments Directive or in the US by accredited investors as defined by the Securities Act of 1933 or qualified purchases as defined in the Investment Company Act of 1940 as applicable and should not be relied upon by any other category of consumer. No part of this document may be reproduced, redistributed or passed on directly or indirectly to any other person, published in whole or in part for any purpose in any manner without the prior written permission of Blue Bay or one of its entities. Copyright 2021.